Hello and welcome to Job Search Guide here on LJN Radio. Now, as the title would indicate, Job Search Guide is designed to give you tools and advice on landing a new job by really just talking to experts in a variety of areas. I'm your host, Tim Yuma. Now, for this episode, we're taking another peek at the resume, but this time, focusing on the opening statement you're looking to make right off the top, because truthfully, hiring personnel might take just 10 seconds to decide if you have a chance. To give us a little bit of a breakdown and some tips on making it stand out, we have Mary Elizabeth Bradford, an internationally certified advanced resume writer, joining us from Texas. Mary Elizabeth, thanks for coming on today. Tim, thank you so much for having me. First and foremost, obviously, I just gave a brief introduction, but if you could give the listeners an idea of what your professional experience has been like, uh, you know, how long you've been dabbling in this sort of industry and, and what you can offer us. Sure. Um, I've been dabbling for 17 years now. <laughs> Just, and I, just a few I have years. marketing background. You know, it's just a few minutes in this industry, yeah. And uh, I started out, I didn't have a marketing background. I had my own executive recruiting firm for seven and a half years. And then I transitioned over into a very high-level job search coach for an executive uh, outplacement agency out of Boston. And I worked with their executive you know, clients worldwide for another seven years. And then five years ago, I opened up my own business again, this time focusing on helping job seekers directly, continuing with that theme. And in that process, became certified through our top association, which in my personal opinion and the opinion of uh, most of my colleagues is Career Directors International. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so that's, so my unique value proposition in, in our world is that I have been boots on the ground with thousands of job seekers through their entire job search. So it gives me a unique window to the world of job searching that most people don't have simply because they haven't uh, braved those waters. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know why me, right? But it, but anyway, uh, but that's, that's my, my background of experience. No, I think that's great to have that sort of, as you said, you know, boots on the ground kind of mentality and perspective. So you, you bring that as opposed to just maybe uh, theories, you know, you're actually working with these individuals. So when we're talking about the resume, I guess, first and foremost, when you're looking at it as a whole, how do you describe it in terms of its purpose and, and the value of what the resume brings to a job seeker? Sure. Well, the resume is intended to get the job seeker interviews and offers and a portal into the world that they want to be in whatever that is, industry change or moving up or moving on or moving out of state, whatever it might be for them. So that resume is a, is a vehicle and the vehicle is, is in the form of a marketing document. Mm -hmm. So it's not a legal document. I, and I'm not saying lie. I'm just simply <laughs> stating it's a, it's, a mark, <laughs> it's a marketing document. Be creative and, a little bit is what you're saying there. Well, understand. Well, the, that actually is is the key point. Is is that it has to answer a very tough question that most of us don't want to think about, which is the same question I have to answer as a business owner. What good are you? Sure. Why should I hire you? You know, why should I be reading this? Why should I be looking at this web page? It's the same. That's what marketing documents do. They answer that question, and uh, and so they should be used as such. They should be written, um, you know, crisply. Uh, with uh, respect for the, the real estate and a lot of white space and making a, a good, solid, positive impression at the cursory glance and also at the deeper read. It's a quite a, a delicate art creating somebody's story. And then also having it be visually appealing. You'll see, I know we're talking mm -hmm. about something else now, but visually appealing, uh, you know, resumes now, if you look at award-winning resume writers, I mean, the resumes are just a 
beautiful works of art with charts and graphs. And of course, that pulls the eye through the document, which keeps the reader reading longer. So there's a lot of subtle things and a lot of basic things that go into writing these documents for from clients. Well, it is interesting because a lot of the terms you're using there, it does sound more like an advertisement versus some sort of you know, document that just describes you or tells you, you know, what your experience is. So, I mean, is that how you would suggest people look at it as as literally you're advertising the product, which is you? I would. I mean, when we use words like advertising and branding Mm -hmm. as a woman and as a sensitive person, just my particular personality sort of recoils at all of these catchphrases that you see thrown around today. However, I have to admit, technically speaking, that is what we're doing. We are we're trying to describe you in the best way and in the most quantifiable terms. So however you want to say that, you know, whatever box you want to put that in, Mm -hmm. it's fine. It's, you know, but the primary touchstone is communicating the value of what you can be to that company in a really authentic way. As an example, just very quickly, if you looked at my website, which is just my name, MaryElizabethBradford.com. It's a very sort of friendly, almost looks like a bed and breakfast advertisement versus some of my colleagues who do ABC resume writing. I guarantee you that we're attracting different types of clients. My website attracts a very specific type of client. When you're writing your resume, you're trying to capture the essence of the same message so that you can attract and be attracted by the the kind of company and industry that you're trying to gravitate or trying to move towards. And I'm not trying to make this sound esoteric, but it is a kind of a fascinating process, this aspect of branding and opening statements. And what are we trying to do? We're trying to create an impression so that the person that sees it or is reading it hopefully says, wow, I want to talk to that this person. Sure. And that's done, again, through a variety of ways and means. Well, and you brought up the aspect we were really going to sort of focus on a little bit to hone the conversation, the idea of that opening statement of your resume. And, you know, you hear different numbers, but essentially, you know, 10 seconds, five seconds that HR personnel will, uh, you know, look at your resume and make some sort of determination, positive or negative. I guess when we're talking about that opening statement, so to speak, What are you looking to accomplish? What does it sound like? Can you just give the listeners a a little bit of a breakdown of what that really looks like on a resume? Well, I don't have a sample in front of me, but let me say this. When you are, first of all, in order to have a good opening statement, you have to be focused. Mm -hmm. Generalists, just putting down everything that you've done. I'm just a really fantastic person who can do everything. And going for the I know it when I see it route in terms of your job search, these strategies, really, I haven't seen them work for a long time. We just don't have the luxury of that anymore. So we really do have to be more entrepreneurial in our initiative and our approach. And And this, to me, is backed by the fact by the Bureau of Labor and Statistics on Admissions. There's just out of, you know, just saying three to 400,000 six-figure jobs filled in the United States every month, and 20% of them are advertised and the rest aren't. So you've got 95% of the job seekers going after 20% of the market. Mm. So it just makes sense based on knowing that, that you uh, as a job seeker should go for what you want. And in order to do that, you have to be focused. You have to spend a little time doing some due diligence on, you know, what industries, are growing and moving that you want to be in or you want to stay in and what are your driving motivators 
That includes money, location, things like that. When you have that down, and then you can start looking at what am I really good at? What am I doing when I'm loving my work? And Mm -hmm. then what is my story in terms of what are the results that I bring to the table? So in order to do that, you have to know what you're good at and the results that you get with the company. So everyone, including myself, is responsible for keeping track of that to some degree, even if it's just an approximate figure. We can't just say we we drive revenue. I mean, how much do we drive revenue by? If you turned around a company... I'm going to need some stats. If you're in sales, I need to know, are you regional, national, local, global? Do you manage a team? Do you have P&L? Do you sell million-dollar products or $5 products? I mean, just saying that you're a sales executive or sales professional, it means nothing. And then what happens, you know, when the key decision-maker gets a hold of this is, what do we do? What do we do as human beings? We look at a document, we try to pick through it. And to get some sense of what we're reading and who the individual is. If we have to really work at finding out the answers to our questions, we get frustrated, right? So now the first impression you've made is one of frustration. And that is not what any of us want. So summary statements. Use plain English. Of course, resumes are written in implied first person. So you have to understand the tense in which you must write them. It, you shouldn't write more than four lines deep because big blocks of text mm-hmm. just don't get read. However, taking the sales example, you could put, let's say now, providing I've got my driving motivators down, I know where I want to go, I'm going to put all my skills that support and are in alignment with my focus of direction. So I'm going to say sales executive, Fortune 500 companies, software or SAAS. P&L to, to 20 million, teams to 300, global market development, or something like that. So now when I look at just the keywords above the summary statement, I have some clue as to the framework and perspective of who it is that I'm reading about. And then in the summary statement, I like to use plain English, and you can use some soft skills that really highlight your your true, the the things that really make you you. So if your specialty is empathizing with people or turning around problems or being proactive and coming up with solutions, or you just have this amazing track record of driving revenue in every sales position you've ever held, then these are the types of things that I like to, to say. And I really try to pepper the statements with quantifiable you know, things, percentages, uh, uh, you know, things that you have monetized, awards that you have won, things like Fortune 100, Fortune 500, P&L numbers or team numbers, the more concrete a person can get, and again, supportive to their goals, not just writing down anything, but it has to be writing in alignment to the particular industry and position they want to go for. These create the sharpest and uh, and clearest and most compelling summary statements in my professional personal opinion. <laughs> well, that's why we brought you on. You have the experience. You've you've dealt with these specifically. So uh, now, when you we were talking about you know the language that you're using, is it important to be using you know professional terms, jargon? Uh, I mean, how much of that is is necessary to really? I guess show that you know what you're talking about, or, or is that not something that necessarily is is looked at when you're checking out a resume as a as a hiring personnel? Well, I think it's important to be written well, 
But I also think it's important to use simple enough language that, first of all, is going to appeal to a wide variety of people because, you know, let's face it, we're trying to appeal to different groups. And even if we're going after a single job and a single company, you're probably, you're, this document is going to be reviewed by human resources, by an internal or external recruiter, by the key decision maker, and maybe some of the team. So if you're really technical, I mean, some things might get lost. So compartmentalizing details okay. in tables or charts is one thing you can do. But the actual summary statement, to me, should really be focused on like, let's take the technical example. Let's say someone has something to do with Six Sigma. They've got 20 years of experience. They've got their PMP certification, maybe a couple other certifications. I would put that over in a box to the right or to the left, right by the summary statement. And then the summary statement should concentrate on the person's core of what they bring to the table. Let's say this this uh, technical person is extremely adept at integrating new cutting-edge technologies that control costs or um, improve performance, uh, especially during co- uh, rapid growth phases within companies or streamlining things after after corporate acquisitions. You know, again, depending on what the individual is going for, but this mm. is the core this is the core message. Many times, you know, there's a lot of gobbledygook in uh, in these summary statements, and there's a lot of big words, and you know, we use three or four things to you know to describe you know uh, to describe a single strength. And what I like to do is write something and then step away from it and then come back and, and edit. I think that the most powerful propositions that I've ever seen are really simply written. For example, my uh, mentor, uh, Mark Hovind, who died last year, unfortunately, he's he's this brilliant man who was a CEO himself of a big, uh, big company, international company at one point. And his position was a marketing executive. He would only work with C-level executives. And he wrote what we know is uh, this becoming more and more common, value proposition letters for these C-level clients. And these value proposition letters were no more than 150 words. Wow. Sometimes with Mark, 125 words. And they would start something like this. Do you need a good CEO? (laughs) (laughs) Or do you need a reputable chief marketing officer? And that would be, you know, so it was this really incredible, just sort of informal media. And of course, these are intended to go to other key decision makers. But then they would continue while... Just last year, for a billion-dollar multinational company, I drove revenue by $50 million in under 12 months, period. Like, that's it. Right. Now, when you're a CEO, I guarantee you've got a lifetime of achievements to talk about. So that's what makes the value proposition letter so compelling, but yet so difficult to write because, you know, you can the less words you use, the more difficult <laughs> it is to write these things. And then he'd give a few more very, very brief achievements. Controlled costs by $25 million during a declining market. Or it was something just like a simple, simple statement. And then he'd put three or four of these bullets in at the end. He'd say, if you're interested in achieving similar results, let's talk. Now, Mark used to also do letter. He used to give his time and go down to the uh, local... uh, yeah, he lived in uh, Washington State or Oregon, I can't remember, but he used to go down to like uh, the YMCA rent a room or something, and, and he used to give his, his skills away 
and to people that were, you know, in uh, job-seeking mode, and these were free Mm -hmm. classes that he hosted. So he would attract a multitude of people to these classes, and people would come from all over just to be, be in there with him. And he would get all types of people. There were homeless people in there. There was just, um, you know, people that were just a, a, just this huge cross-section of different types of people. And through that, which I thought was most fascinating, Mark showed that um, the value proposition letter philosophy and principle could be applied to every one of those individuals. And one of the most brilliant letters that I saw he helped uh, someone write was a janitor. And it started with, uh, do you need a dependable janitor? <laughs> That was the first line. And then the second line is, for ABC Company, I opened up on time every time for seven straight years. Hmm. And then he said something like, and that is off the top of my head, but it was something along the lines of, a few of my additional accomplishments include saving the company $7,000 a year by changing out all of the lights and replacing them with fluorescents. Um, improving uh, service turnaround time by 30% or 50% by coming up with an email ticket system to alert um, me of, I don't know, facility-type problems. And there was a couple others, but but that was it. And I thought to myself, that's brilliant. And I've been writing value proposition letters for many, many years now. But this, how does this tie in with, with summary statements? I think it demonstrates that if we we demonstrate that we understand how to communicate our value in terms of our results, not what we do, which is what we're paid to think like. We're paid to think about what we do. But where in a job search, you have to shift over into what happens when we do what we do. That's what you have okay. to write about. Well, I, obviously, you've given us a ton of information to, to take in and some examples, which obviously that's what people appreciate the most when they hear those specific examples of uh, not necessarily what to write, but what it might sound like. And, you know, those couple mm-hmm. examples you gave there are very interesting. You don't hear that suggestion to say something like, do you need a good, you know, so-and-so? Uh, so mm-hmm. if, if it works, though, that's obviously the route to go. Yes, it works. It's been proven. We've done this for many, many years, not just me, but other people in the industry. And it's usually people that have been recruiters before that are sort of pulling back the curtains saying, all right, this is really what works. <laughs> so, so I mean, there is no one right way. Let me just finish by saying that we all have to be humble because the more that we are in our careers, I think the more we understand that, you know, the less we actually know. But, but what we do want to focus in on is what works. And when you're in a job search, you need to understand that you are marketing yourself and understand it's hard to be objective. There's a high ROI with resume writers, but if you're writing your resume yourself, these are really, really good things to remember because it's going to keep you on track so that you're communicating your value in terms of quantifiable results in easy-to-read language and uh, short sound bites, and you're using keywords and phrases to sort of, and uh, and maybe some call-out boxes or core competency lists to uh, communicate your key main points. Well, that sounds uh, pretty much like the perfect place to finish up here today on Job Search Guide. Uh, obviously, we appreciate all the information you've given to us. And yes, the resume does still matter. And that opening pitch, however you may decide to uh, put it out there, might be the most valuable aspect of it. So hopefully uh, we've been able to give our listeners some ideas of, of what they can do there. Our expert guest has been Mary Elizabeth Bradford, uh, once again, an internationally certified advanced resume writer. And uh, from everything we've seen, an author as well. Did you want to fill the listeners in a little bit on uh, on any of your books? Sure. 
my books you can find either on Amazon. Uh, they're e-books, and uh, you can read them on your uh, smartphones or uh, iPads or computers. It's, you don't have to have a Kindle. But um, uh, they're on Amazon. It's the Career Artisan series, and they're only 3 or $4. So it's a tremendous value and a lot of good strategies in there on resumes and to interview follow-up, phone networking, etc., and also how to tap into the hidden job market. Or they can find all these books in PDF through my website at maryelizabethbradford.com. Great. We, uh, again, we appreciate everything uh, you've brought to us today. And uh, uh, hopefully our listeners will be able to take some of this advice and, and catch up on your books as well. We appreciate you coming on today. I hope so, Tim. Thanks so much again for having me. And thank you, everybody. And I wish you every success in your job searches. All right. Thank you very much. Of course, we're always interested in hearing from you, the listener, as well. So feel free to drop us an email at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com if you have any comments or suggestions for this or any of our shows on LJN Radio. Once again, I'm your host, Tim Muma. Take care, everybody.